0: Through all these years to be going back to where it all started back to the Matrix
1: how did I beat you?
0: you're too fast
1: do you believe that my being stronger or faster has anything to do with my muscles in this place? you think that's air you're breathing now? How can I make a choice? Because you didn't come here to make the choice. You've already made it. You're here to try to understand why you made it. Have you ever stood and stared at it, marveled at its beauty, its genius? You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. While it remains a burden assiduously avoided, it is not unexpected and thus not beyond a measure of control, which has led you inexorably here.
0: What is he doing?
1: He's beginning to believe. What does that mean? It means buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Desert of the Real. I'm your host, John Pataki, and this is Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives headfirst into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're talking about The Matrix. We're going to start and talk about the whole trilogy in celebration of the uh, impending release of The Matrix Resurrections. We're starting from the beginning with the original Matrix, and I'm joined here today by Kara D.J., the uh, proprietor and sole author of Into a Larger World, the uh, Star Wars fanzine. Welcome, Kara.
0: Hello. I am really excited. This is my first podcast talking about not Star Wars. I'm pretty sure.
1: I'm so excited for you. <laughs> you really jumped at the opportunity to do this movie specifically. I feel like I, I gave you a couple options and you were like, The Matrix, let's do it.
0: I love it so much.
1: <laughs> it's- it's a perfect movie. We'll get into that, too. Yes. Yeah, just really excited to talk about it. The Matrix Fever is in the air. We're we're getting there. We got a little sidetracked today by the Book of Boba Fett trailer.
0: <laughs> we sure did.
1: Hopefully you listened to that podcast as well, uh, where we vented out our our feelings and true love towards Boba Fett and FedEx Shand. But now it's Matrix time. Kara, what's, what's your relationship to the Matrix, and what made you so excited to want to talk about this today?
0: Well, I think ultimately the first matrix movie is definitely one of my like i mean i don't really have a list of favorites but it would definitely be in probably my top 10 favorite movies of all time it's we'll get into all the reasons why it's wonderful i just love it so much it's definitely been in my world a long time i was only eight or nine when the when it came out because it came out in 1999 so i think i was actually eight because it came out in spring of 1999 but It was the first DVD that my dad purchased and he then went on to purchase like 70 bazillion quadrillion DVDs but that one was like always special because it was the first one my dad loved like special effects and action scenes and stuff so he would always be like just come sit down and I'm just gonna show you this and then he would show me like the bank scene or not the bank scene but the break-in scene with all the shooting and the running up the walls and stuff so I've just always loved it. And then as I got older, I got really into the, like, the concept of, like, our reality not being real. Like, I really fell into that. And, yeah. So I just love it. It's just so good.
1: All the late night stoner thoughts of The Matrix. It's, totally. It's, it's, it is. It's like philosophy 101. And it, if it hits you at the right time, it stays with you forever. Personally, Please. My, my intro to The Matrix is, it's kind of a long walk to get there. But take that walk with me. In my high school, we used to have a film fest every year. No, that's not true. At my high school. I was part of student senate and one of the okay. things one of the things i decided to yeah i know real on brand for me right no um <laughs> one of the things i decided to start with student senate funds was a film fest at our school oh. and my friends and we would all i probably shouldn't just be like doxing people on my own podcast <laughs> uh,
0: but say first names
1: my friends dustin keith and uh, Randall, we would just we would just constantly made made movies together, and we entered our we entered our film. I say film so loosely. We entered yes. our twenty minute video into the film fest that I created f- at school, and we won right. the fil- we won the film fest, Kara, which is like <laughs> the most morally dubious thing possible. Uh, wow, shady. Yeah, there was a full scale investigation to it afterwards <laughs> for the. The prize was movie tickets to go see the movie, okay. um, which is, it's like, basically we should have just kept the tickets for ourselves. It wasn't planned that way. Just the yeah. people that voted, <laughs> the people that voted liked our movie the best and it should never have been allowed in. Anyway, it came out, you know, in March of 1999. So mm-hmm. uh, at that point I am 16 years old and going to see the matrix in the theater. Not knowing anything about it, like the internet was in its infancy. You know, everyone had instant me- AOL Instant Messenger. Sure, there, there was still there was like IRC and chat rooms, and right, you know, it was just you know it just started to become like the shell of what the internet is now. So th- there wasn't a lot of like hype and the culture behind fandoms and 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 franchises and movies was not at the fever pitch that it's at now, and you couldn't really right. look up a ton about stuff beforehand. So to sit down in that theater and. Really <laughs> not know anything about it. And just to get hit with that movie at 16 years old, it, it, oh my God. it, it imprints it on me in, a, in such a way that I'll never forget. Literally knowing nothing about it and then... Leaving feeling like exactly like my reality had been destroyed completely, (laughs) you know, it did. And especially since the movie ends with Neo flying away in a rage against the machine, which is just like we wanted to like tear our seats up out of the floor and throw them across the theater because it was just like the craziest thing, like just hysterical fits of laughter, but just such a release from a movie that just like completely messed us up. You can really talk about the Matrix and be like, oh yeah, cool, real. Like I said, stoner thoughts as jokingly, but it's like I assume it's kind of like what. It must have felt like to see Star Wars, to see a new hope in the theater for the first time.
0: I can see that.
1: Or, like, just in general, seeing a new hope, not even in the theater, but just in general, of like this confluence of influences and understanding that this was like a passion project, right? This is, this, this was the Bachowski's second movie.
0: That's, Um, that's, that's (laughs) absolutely insane. (laughs)
1: Completely insane. Like, I can barely, like, I can barely, like, find time to rake my backyard and they're like, (laughs) what if we made the matrix it's their second movie but it kind of feels like a band's first album mm. where establishing
0: you know, the sound you know
1: establishing the sound but also they've waited their whole lives to make this movie and all the yes. ideas and all their ideas and all the things that they love and all of their influences are packed into this first one
0: yes i could see that too for sure
1: it's just so flawlessly done and well for now we're going to move into a part of the show we like to call the download Whoa. In the download, essentially what we're going to do is a rundown of all the juicy bits and the information and all the data behind the movie. What makes The Matrix The Matrix? We're going to find that out right now. For those of you that are not initiated and have not seen The Matrix, I doubt that's very many of you. It's (laughs) one of the most influential movies of all time. We're going to give you a little rundown of the movie itself. The Matrix is about Thomas Anderson, a hacker otherwise known as Neo, who's uh, struggling with a little 90s ennui. He's recruited by a fellow rogue hacker named Trinity, and a leather-clad gang of rebels take on a malevolent cyber intelligence that has imprisoned mankind in a simulation known only as the Matrix in order to harvest their bioelectricity. Their leader, Morpheus, believes Neo to be the One, a messiah-like figure that will return to destroy the Matrix and free mankind once and for all. These rebels have already freed themselves from the control of the Matrix and possess the ability to enter and exit the simulation at will, demonstrating superhuman like abilities with infinite possibilities whenever they're plugged in.
0: While in Inside the Matrix, Morpheus brings Neo to the Oracle. Side note, one of my favorite fictional characters ever, but we'll talk about it, I'm sure. A computer program with clairvoyant abilities in order to legitimize his claim that Neo is, in fact, the one. Neo is told by the Oracle that he is, in fact, not the one, but at some point he'll have to decide between giving his own life or sacrificing Morpheus's. As they're leaving the Oracle's apartment, they're ambushed by police and a host of sentient eradication programs known as agents, led by unrelenting Agent Smith after being betrayed by their fellow crew member Cypher, Joey Pants, in exchange for a life of blissful ignorance inside of the Matrix. Morpheus is captured and Neo, feeling a sense of duty to free the man that freed his mind, launches a rescue mission along with Trinity where his potential as the one is eventually unleashed. Love it.
1: Following this, Neo makes a collect call to the machine world. They accept the charges. Uh, Neo talks some <laughs> shit. Then he literally fucking flies away to rage against the machine, even though we had no idea that that was a thing that he could do. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's the matrix for you in a nutshell. One of the most wild but also one of the most badass endings ever. It's just it, it Bonkers. hypes it every time. Yeah, it's crazy. The speech he gives <laughs> at the end, calling I, I don't know who he's calling. Yeah. Is it just the machine world at large? Is it just I r- felt like, is machine it us? world writ large? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, he's just like... <laughs> is he talking to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, listen, here's what's going to go down in The Matrix 2 and 3. Like we mentioned before, released March 31st, 1999. Directed by Lillian Lana Wachowski. Written by and Lana Wachowski. Uh, written by Lily and Lana Wachowski uh, including mm-hmm. a cast of characters. A cast of thousands. Uh, including the, the, <laughs> aforema- the aforementioned Joey Pants. Obviously, Keanu Reeves stars as Neo slash Thomas Anderson. This is adorable. When Reeves was approached with the role, he was quoted as saying... When I first read that script, it made my blood happy, which in turn makes my blood feel happy.
0: I love him.
1: Have you seen the interview with him on Colbert? Tell me
0: about it. I feel like I did.
1: I'll start crying just talking about it. He's talking about the Matrix. He's talking about if Keanu Reeves understands, understands the Matrix or if he like ever gets it to this day. And at the end, he's like, What do you think happens when we die, Keanu Reeves? I know that the ones who love us will miss us. that's it and it's just, I, it's just it's so beautiful and Stephen Colbert gets the biggest most genuine smile on his face like it's oh. it's the it's the response he never in his life expected and right? he, just, he shakes his hand and then the whole world cries together as one it's
0: so good <laughs> I also think about the, the inter- one of the interviews he did with Jimmy Fallon where he talks about how his he almost went by the name like Templeton Page Taylor oh something. yeah <laughs> that's a good one too <laughs> So anyway, oh, sure. so they, uh, they uh, so they say,
1: okay, well, help us out. So I go to the ocean because this is a big deal for me, right? It's yeah. my name. It's my name. Yeah. And uh, and I'm, I literally go to the ocean. And you scream, it's my, What's my name. What is my name? And <laughs> this is and so I turn it into I a seashell, think. and then you toss the shell into and the this thing, way. and it comes back with a name. And what does the shell tell you your name is? Chuck Spadina. There you go. There you go. That's and it. I know everyone in the world is obsessed with Keanu Reeves, but it's, he's just one of those people that everyone loves for a reason. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, he's just the most genuine, he is pure. He's, and he's been through so much and, and to come mm. out of, and to come out of that with still such a sense of being grounded and still such a sense of gratitude for his life that he's lived and his fame yeah. is like, he's the real deal. As most people know, Will Smith famously turned this role down to do wild, wild west. Probably for the better, honestly. Like, I don't, I really can't see Will Smith in this role.
0: Yeah, uh, it's fine. And Wild Wild West, you know, I have not seen it in many, many moons. I only remember like the part with the earwax. <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> most people remember the giant spider, but the earwax part oh, yeah. is also very memorable.
0: And the song, which is great and samples Stevie Wonder, who's my favorite living human being. But I think even for what it is, it's an important part of Will Smith's catalog.
1: Sure, it makes Will Smith decide he wants to only like he wants to vet his projects a little bit more, and then he starts getting like Oscar roles. And
0: Agreed. Um,
1: Anyway, this isn't the Will Smith podcast. This is the.
0: <laughs> Maybe we'll <laughs> um, do that someday. <laughs> and this
1: this is like disappointing, but Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were offered the role. It's like you could be a little bit more creative with that. It's clearly like we need a we need a big famous name attached to this, but like mm. how bo- how boring would that have been to have Brad Pitt or Leo as as Neo?
0: I think they would do too much. I think that like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's a lot of like memification of Keanu being kind of like one, like one note ish in the movie, but, but it works. Like, especially as the the more you rewatch, like it just, it works for him to just be this blank slate for the canvas to be painted upon because it's like, it's such a, it's such an off the wall. Can I curse?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course you can say yeah, it you it's want. such
0: a fucking like off the wall nonsense story of insanity, and I mean not nonsense, but you know what I mean, like just yeah. absolute madness. That like you need a a protagonist that's just like, I guess kind of a self insert in a way.
1: Absolutely, like let it you wash, o- let it wash over him. He he mm-hmm. he's, he's so um, he's such a blank canvas at some points so that he he it seems like he feels he's just so yeah. over he's just so overwhelmed by the news of this as you should be because it would completely c- cripple your mind to learn this <laughs> yeah. they, they even say in a movie like we're we're sorry for freeing you this late you know shades of star wars there too it's too late to begin the training
0: i was thinking um, that too
1: but yeah it's it's it really works and and um one, one more sandra bullock passed on it as well because they were they were just so desperate to get the movie made they were like we'll make neo a woman we'll do it not not that oh not saying not saying that
0: <laughs> no i know what you woman- mean
1: <laughs> yeah okay i said that i was like that sounds bad i don't mean that it they're so desperate they get a woman to do it. I don't no. mean that. I don't mean that at all. I just it mean would like, have
0: been a much different movie.
1: They just wanted every anyone at all to be attached to yes. it, just to get it made. Right. Uh, <laughs> don't want to start off on that foot of like wow. No,
0: I get it. I totally um, get
1: it. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite film critics, Adam Kempinar, he's from the Film Spotting podcast. I think put it really well. He said uh, Neo offers Reeves the perfect combination of Ted Theodore Logan's curiosity and wonder, Johnny Utah's earnestness, and the badassness of Jack Traven from Speed. It's all of his strengths put together to make this really singular character. There's really not—I mean, there's there's templates and there's like character arcs like Neo's, but there's really not a, a character like Neo out there. We got Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity. Moss had a lot of claims while she was uh, working out and training for all the all the intense fight training for the movie. That she had a lot of doubts about her ability to play the role because it was so intense. But I thought this quote was really funny. She says. I remember thinking, they don't really think I'm going to do this stuff, like jumping from one building to another. Of course, I'm not going to do that. It's like you (laughs) think about that jump at the beginning of the movie. She thought like she really had to jump from rooftop to rooftop. Uh, Back to the Smith family. Jada Pinkett Smith auditioned for the role, but was turned down because she had literally zero chemistry with Keanu Reeves. And they they just knew it right away that that was not the not the way to go. Carrie Ann Moss.
0: Um Oh my god, she's so good. I'm so that's one of the main things I take away every time I rewatch is just how obsessed I am with Trinity. Like I love her so much. And that part in that beginning in amazing sequence when she jumps through the window and then she lands, and right when she lands, she has her guns up and then yes. she's just like staring at the window and then she just is like literally verbally willing herself to get up. <laughs> get up
1: get up get up, and it's like you watch it now you obviously know that keanu is the main character but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: just in, in building this world and creating the, just one of the most respectful beginnings it's, it's it's building this world as it's going but you think this is the main character right mm. and and she very well could be with how they 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 frame her and they, the, the gaze that the camera has upon her, like she, she's, you see her powers first, you know mm-hmm. that she's a, a complete badass right away because the agents are like, your people are already dead. And it's mm-hmm. like, so you think, oh my of, God. You, you, oh. know, you, you know, you <laughs> think this is, and then she does that big jump and you're like, oh, this is one of the coolest character introductions you've ever seen. So yeah, it could have very well been her, but just her, when her and Neo get together, some people cr- criticize it. It's like, oh, they're in love, but it's like, you just believe it right away. Some things just happen. So yeah, she's wonderful. And, and then speaking of wonderful, Mr. Wonderful himself, Lawrence Fishburne. Morpheus, uh, obviously, Lawrence Fishburne is that the iconic character, Morpheus. Uh, he said he saw this character as Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader rolled into one, and maybe some Yoda. I don't really see the, the Darth Vader in him. You know, whatever. That's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fine. I get it. Maybe just because of the leather.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> originally uh vel kilmer was approached about the role the wachowskis had dinner with him and he started going off about <laughs> he started going off about how morpheus should be the main character of the movie and the movie should center out the center around him and, and the wachowskis basically gave her like gave each other the look and we were like no this isn't the guy <laughs> like, <laughs> you need to know the role man you need to know what morpheus is all about uh he's and the-
0: lawrence fishburne is so perfect in that part like i can't picture really anybody else
1: yeah, it's gonna be a struggle. I mean, ho- hopefully not, because uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen is su- such a great actor. Oh, it'll be, true. It'll, yeah, it'll be strange to see him as Morpheus if he is Morpheus. I don't even right. know what the hell, I don't know what the hell is going on. We'll probably get more of that later. <laughs> I feel like it's such a a, a a trophy for Lawrence Fishburne because he was originally supposed to be Jules in Pulp Fiction, and like uh... just made like like his agent made these like calls left and right of these iconic roles that he just turned down and turned down and turned down not that lawrence fishburne hasn't had iconic roles i mean he won an oscar for uh being ike turner you know or at least was nominated for an oscar it's like not like he's had a bad career because he's had like one of the most interesting and cool careers of any actor ever but like to be jewels in pulp fiction you know and then so it just kind of cycles down the line and Mm. He, he keeps getting replaced by like sam jackson and things and then, right. so but so to get to get the morpheus character is like kind of vindication i feel like for mm. for all for larry fishburne and,
0: and, and is he, there anything more iconic than those clip-on sunglasses nothing I just can't. zero They're things incredible yeah <laughs> or,
1: clip-on glasses and walking with your hands behind your back became a lot cooler after morpheus so oh
0: yes <laughs>
1: um and of course hugo weaving as agent smith I mean, what is there to say about Hugo weaving in this role? It's it's masterful, so good. masterful. Create, created a a vicious, relentless, villainous character from nothing. He's so menacing and so awesome, just campy enough to be cool.
0: Yeah, um, and wonderful. the crescendo of it, you know, like he doesn't come out really aggressive, loud, forceful out of the gate. It's he's so controlled, and then you watch him more and more and obviously in the later movies even more like just yeah, lose yeah. control more and more yeah that was really masterful the way he did that just really like stepping on the gas so slowly oh god
1: as soon as you get to that scene with morpheus where he's interrogating them in the yes in, in the office building <laughs> the, the matrix is really obsessed with eyes and sunglasses like masking your eyes with sunglasses and mm. you know and i read something about the use of sunglasses in the matrix that you never see anybody's eyes until they want you to in that scene he takes his sunglasses off and gets right in morpheus's faces right in morpheus's face and it really doesn't get much better than that filmmaking wise that whole oh. that whole scene is out of control we'll talk
0: more i about used that to i used to not like watching that scene when i was younger because it just like it's so intense it like freaked me out too much so i would just fast forward to when they rescued him
1: <laughs> the the aforementioned joey pants joe penaliano is cypher who who's told to get into the best shape of his life for the film um his uh his trainer told him he could do as many sit-ups as he wanted to but his his gut wasn't ever going away so he had liposuction done and then submitted a three thousand dollar liposuction bill to the studio just because they wanted to get in better shape but they, they never paid him back
0: <laughs> That's... is that true yes <laughs> what the
1: Yeah, so that's I mean that's the core cast. Obviously there's you know mm-hmm. tons of other great characters in the film too. The fight choreography done by the legendary Yen Ping, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, did all the fight scenes for Kill Bill. Music by Don Davis. The music the matrix music is like I, so I don't know. Cool. I really want to read more about it and, and go more in depth about the music. I just couldn't find a ton about it. Uh, storyboards and concept art by Steve Scrooge and Jeff Darrow, who you know famously collaborated with the Wachowskis early on on some Marvel projects. And uh, you know, Steve Scroach, is it Scrooge or Scrooge? I'm not sure. I don't. I really don't like saying Scrooge, so we're gonna move on from that. <laughs> uh, they approached him about these the storyboards to say like, don't mm. you know a lot of storyboards use arrows or signifiers to show movement. They're yeah. either, like they're kind of scratched on napkins, but these were f- really fleshed out, like almost like comic book panels. Actually, exactly like comic book panels, because they wow. really, really wanted to sell that this was like an idea that they had thought a bunch about and had had a lot of had invested a lot of time and. And a specific
0: vision it. right
1: and if you look at the storyboards i have the in the art of the matrix book it's almost frame for frame the movie they cut oh, something that's things, so cool you know, a budget of 63 million dollars 60 to 63 million dollars is what i read ended up making 465.3 million at the box office and buckets and buckets more cash on dvd oh, for, the yeah. long, for the longest time i i for some reason remembered the matrix kind of being a flop and then becoming like a hit on DVD later, and that's why they made the sequels, but it was a huge hit when it came out, mm-hmm. like because it, it just completely changed pop culture at the time. Right. All those factors just coming together to make something that's was completely new and completely um, unseen before. Now to get a little bit more into it, we're heading into, you guessed it, The Hollow Chamber. Initiating Hollow Chamber protocol. You are now entering The Hollow Chamber. Inside the hollow chamber, this is where we take a deeper look at the movie itself. Obviously, like we said earlier, The Matrix is philosophy 101 for a lot of people. And it's just kind of the first time people have really sunk their teeth into this idea that maybe their life is not their own. One of the major influences on The Matrix is Jean Baudrillard's Simulacra and Simulation, in which the author seeks to examine the relationships between reality, symbols, and society.
0: And I heard that um, that book specifically, uh, the directors had the the whole cast read that book, which is really interesting.
1: Probably the biggest springboard for the movie, right? In terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of just the, the core text for it. One of the one of the early producers of the film that they uh, the Wachowskis approached was like, hey, this is great. You're making a movie about Descartes, one of my favorite philosophers. And I think this quote from Descartes really kind of sums up the, the Matrix experience.
0: So Descartes said, nature also teaches me by the sensations of pain, hunger, thirst, and so on, that I am not merely present in my body as a pilot in his ship, but that I am very closely joined and, as it were, intermingled with it so that I and the body form a unit. If this were not so, I, who am nothing but a thinking thing, wow, sorry, that was me, side note, would not feel pain when the body was hurt, but would perceive the damage purely by the intellect, just as a sailor perceives by sight if anything in his ship is broken, end quote. (laughs) Wow, <laughs>
1: it's wild to me that people are born and the factors in their life affect them to the point where they can write something like that <laughs> for real like, what like, I, yeah. I had a thought about reality today. And here it is about something about a ship
0: <laughs> that um, sounded very also. Um, and I, I haven't seen this fully. I've seen some of it, but the whole, like being your body and being a pilot of a ship and a unit and everything was very, uh, neon. Genesis, Evangelion—you know that—that that was giving me that vibe big time.
1: <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Most people are familiar with with the Odyssey, which is you know a hero's journey unto itself. But it's mm. you know, Odysseus's journey to self actualizing, much like Neo's journey. Another huge influence is William Gibson's novel Neuromancer, set in the future. The novel follows Henry Case, a washed up hacker hired for one last job, which which brings him up against a powerful artificial intelligence. Uh, sounds familiar. I wouldn't say that Neil was washed up. I think he was in the prime of his life.
0: Yes. so Lily and Lana Wachowski are the directors of the film. Uh, They've been completely obsessed with movies since they were really young. Uh, The Matrix was their first movie after their debut, Bound, in 1996. So it was, like, technically their second movie, but this was their first, like, big distributed film. And uh, there's a quote from Brian Rafferty's Best Movie Year Ever. Uh, Lily said, quote, "We were interested in a lot of things: making mythology relevant in a modern context. I love that. Sorry, side note again. <laughs> I have to stop interrupting quotes. Uh, relating <laughs> Relating quantum physics to Zen Buddhism, investigating your own life." End quote. Investigating your own life. I want to like get that tattooed on me. That's really really interesting. Making mythology relevant in a modern context. That's something I, I want to like sit with. That I don't know. That's really 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 cool and uh yeah they directed everything together as one almost with a form of of twin speak but they're they're separate by a couple years they're not actually twins yeah yeah i can't imagine what it's like to direct with with a sibling and i think of obviously joel and ethan cohen too Mm -hmm. because i know they they often like one of them might be more at the helm of the film but they still credit it to joel and ethan cohen because they both work so simultaneously in like all those different areas it's so Absolutely. interesting and it's yeah. it's
1: interesting too that this is this year is the first year the first time that both a cohen and a wachowski are directing something on their own
0: that's true yeah
1: because what is it joel that's doing the, tragedy, so. the tragedy of macbeth and then lana is doing matrix resurrections wow let
0: me see. i'm sure do you think was Lil, is lily involved though at all i mean i'm sure at least just like conversationally involved right
1: <laughs> i actually think lily said that she um kind of didn't want anything to do with it not in a bad oh, okay. way i think i just think that it was a lot of story to tell okay she, she was just gonna like i'm gonna let you take this one okay
0: oh that's um, awesome that's yeah, even yeah. cooler yeah so there's a little tidbit here it says uh at one point wb wanted them to cut a few scenes to get the budget back on track They left for lunch that day and never came back and were found watching a Bulls game in their office. They said, (laughs) that's so good. That's something we would do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They said if they didn't have those scenes, they didn't have the movie. So they added 28 more shooting days to the schedule and increase their budget that gives me very like jaws spielberg vibes although spielberg was too busy having like panic attacks to go watch any type of sports but yeah
1: what i love so much about the wachowskis is that they were not having panic attacks they were like you need us we'll be over here
0: that's Um, awesome they were just like standing up for it like that's it that's how it has to be and if not then
1: see you later there was a note in the research too that was like for bound in their screenplay for bound it was like it said this is a sex scene and we're not cutting it like it was, that was just in the script. I love <laughs> um Yeah. They're very, they're famously not very shy about protecting their, their work.
0: So yeah. Editor Zach Steinberg said to me, the matrix is a ver- studio version of an auteur film. It was handled almost the way Warner brothers used to handle Stanley Kubrick. They'd send him the money and kept their distance. End quote. I love that.
1: <laughs> so rock and roll. Just so awesome. It really is. And it's like, if you watch any Wachowski movie it's like so apparent. Like Speed Racer is one of the more most ballistically bizarre things you'll ever see in your yes. life. And it's like, I guess this is good. I, I love Speed Racer, <laughs> but it's like I I it's crazy that they got that thing made and like obviously it Ju- is. Jupiter ascending is wild and Whoa. so obviously one of the biggest technological contributions of the Matrix is the famous bullet time, um, which was coined as a term near the end of the Matrix screenplay. The basic concept of bullet time from the Matrix is that the camera moves in real time as whatever subject is being filmed moves in slow motion to kind of create what they called in the script as liquid space, which I just, again, with the Wachowskis, it's so hilarious because they were like, yeah, liquid space. And people were like, what is that? <laughs> like, and they're like, you know, like li- like bullet time. And they're like, what is that? So, you just know, saying
0: the- it like you're supposed to already know. Like,
1: And then they're like, how are we going to do that? And they're like, oh, uh, we don't know. <laughs> we're figuring it out. So to achieve it initially, what they wanted to do, Adding to their wonderfulness. Um, one of the ideas that they had was to strap a slow motion camera to like a rocket.
0: <laughs> Which is like I didn't know that. It's
1: just it's it's what you want when you're researching for a, a podcast like this is to read that someone wanted to strap a slow motion camera to a rocket. But for safety concerns, they ended up just going with digital effects from Mass Illusions was the was the um effects house that took care of the digital effects for the matrix they were famous before for doing all the like the visuals for what dreams may come the robin mm. williams movie the really depressing robin williams movie they won an oscar for that they approached mass illusion to create an effect by using 120 still cameras that went off in quick succession it's like a semicircle around whoever they were shooting to do that kind of wraparound effect
0: yeah and the shot of it you if you find the behind the scenes shot of it in front of the green screen it's like so wild to see it like yeah and it's so crazy to just think, like, how far special effects has come since then. Yes. That, like, they almost definitely would not need to use something like that. Maybe sort of similar, but it would probably be a lot more, like, streamlined. But the way that they that they were doing that is, like, so unbelievable, really.
1: Stepping on some research for, like, Matrix Revolutions, the behind-the-scenes video for that, the behind-the-scenes mm. features for that, uh, it, like, opens with Keanu Reeves saying, like, he's like, in his typical way with his hands, he's like, there's the easy way to do things. And there's the hard way to do things. And it was always the hard way to do it. <laughs> like, it's just, oh they always, they always found like the most realistic way was the hardest way. And, um, and it's just fun. It's, it is hilarious to see it now because it's so, it's just so, such a cliche effect. Now you're like, yeah. everything has that climactic slow down bullet. And you're like, really? Again, we're doing this. Yeah, I always
0: like, think of like Shrek when she does the, oh yeah he jumps, for sure he jumps in the air and does the split kick.
1: <laughs> like almost even even recently in the new suicide squad movie um one of like the climactic shots in the movie is peacemaker shooting a gun i think it, i think it's peacemaker i don't remember and the, it's the the bullet time bullet and it's like guys it's 2021 like can we <laughs> not do that i don't know it just doesn't it's just lost its luster but you know when matrix resurrections comes out and it happens we're gonna be like throwing sodas at the screen
0: Oh my God, Uh, I love it. It also makes me think of uh, the Freak on a Leash music video.
1: Most things make me think of the Freak on a Leash music video.
0: (laughs) That song still hits, anyway.
1: It's good, it's really good. In the comments uh, for this podcast, tell us what you think about the Freak on a Leash music video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so for this climactic shot, you know, with obviously the one where he's dodging bullets left and right, bending backwards on the rooftop, um, Mm -hmm. Keanu was wired up and pulled back with the wires to create that like impossible bend. And at the time, Keanu Reeves had just gone through like back surgery.
0: Oh my god.
1: He had two vertebrae fused together. And no. if, if he didn't get that surgery, he would have been a quadriplegic. Can you imagine how sad the world would be if Gatorade <laughs> oh was a quadriplegic? Um, it also inspired me to go to a physical therapist recently too when I read that. I was like, maybe Good. I, should, I should go yeah. to that. Um So Neo, Neo wasn't just saving the Matrix, he saved me too. You know, all these effects being pulled back, you know, there's, there's the wires and all the cameras around him, And then there's these two film cameras filming him from behind to get the bend. And then oh it was God. all... Composited together in in post production. Incredible. That one shot took two years to complete and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to capture. I don't even. What does that mean?
0: I don't know. <laughs> That's so wild.
1: It's also like my concept of money is so skewed that I'm like, how oh, that cost almost a million dollars for like thirty seconds of film? That's insane. Right. And it also makes me think, like, how do they only spend $60 million on this movie if that one shot's... It's the most complex shot in the movie, really, but still, it's crazy. There's
0: a lot of wild shit going on, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Bullet Time, you know, it was coined in The Matrix and it was perfected in The Matrix. But really, you know, it kind of dates back to the invention of cinema itself. You know, the actual movement of the frame and movement of creating a a moving picture is essentially like a, a, a tangible 3D version of Bullet Time. Wow. Created by... Étienne Jules Marey and later experimented further by Edward Muybridge. A, a zoopraxiscope was probably the inspiration for Thomas Edison to explore the idea of motion pictures. So it's like wow. I I know I butchered all those names, but like the idea <laughs> of, you know, you've you've seen like the carousel with the um the horse picture, the horse galloping. That's true. But that's yeah. You know, that's essentially a really primitive version of bullet time, so Right. they could have they made the matrix in like 1896 but thank god they made it when we we're alive
0: also zoo praxis would be a really good album name it's like uh,
1: that's like a that's like a steely dan album title yes <laughs> another major motif you know striking image from the from the matrix is obviously the idea of the red pill and the blue pill. Unfortunately, in uh, 2021, in the past few years, red pill has become synonymous in in a more alt-right context. You know, Lana Wachowski at one point was quoted as saying, this world has the matrix all over the place. People accept ways of thinking that are imposed upon them rather than working them out themselves. The free-thinking people are those who question every sort of matrix, every system or thought or belief, be it political, religious, or philosophical. And... I know that that was, you know, that's said and created in the film in a hopeful, Mm. in a hopeful manner. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like the alt-right is white supremacists and and, in an alt-right context, they have a real knack for taking things that are meant to further the cause of humanity or thoughts that are in, you know, various forms of art to Mm -hmm. free you from oppressive regimes or free you from fascist mindsets and bring people closer together. But the alt-right and like white supremacists have a real knack for making it just about them like you know 1984 blah 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 we're living in 1984 and it's like they kind of think about it the wrong way they flip everything the wrong way and um so like the red pill has become synonymous with that like I've taken the red pill and I see I see the world for what it really is and you know when I buy my diet Mountain Dew and like put my the Punisher skull on my Fiat or whatever it's like (laughs) It, it becomes this thing like, I'm free, I've been freed. But it's really like distressing that they would take <laughs> such a positive and hopeful message of, you know, take this red pill and free yourself from this oppressive force of these machines keeping you prisoner. And they kind of play right into it. And
0: well, you know, they think, but that's the scariest part is that they think that they're. Oppressed. I, I can't it's, uh... it's yeah this
1: it, it, is not the podcast to talk about no. it I, I i really just bring it up in, in contrast you know to lead into it the matrix has you know always been thought of as by the trans community as a trans metaphor and and very recently the wachowskis both confirmed that it is in fact at least the first film uh very specific and a very almost Mm -hmm. one-to-one metaphor for the uh the trans experience and i'm i know i'm stepping on your part a little bit but that red (laughs) pill the red pill was literally what hormone treatment was came in a literal red pill i'm a little out of my element talking about this i just i i I did as much research as i could to talk about it respectfully and we'll do and we'll do our our level best please feel free to correct us if we say anything incorrect because you know we're both coming from a place of quality and wanting people to you know exactly who they are that's why we love the matrix so much that's why we love other people so much and we always choose to follow the route of empathy over um anything else so please if we if we say anything incorrect let us know and we'll 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 fix it for next time
0: yeah i honestly didn't didn't know about this until until recently and it it does make so much so much sense when you look at it that way and again yeah we're both like cisgendered people and you know we're just talking based on the research but there's a quote from lily uh wachowski she says uh, quote, I don't know how present my transness was in the background of my brain as we were writing, but it all came from the same sort of fire that I'm talking about, end quote, which is really, really interesting. And yeah, there's the element of um, the given names, you know, Neo, especially like is very adamant. is at the end anyway, with Agent Smith, he calls him Mr. Anderson again, and, and Neo says, my name is Neo. And the element of like, Trinity being when Neo's like, I, I just assumed you were a guy and she says most guys do. There's like a lot of like gender play in the in the movie as a whole, which is really interesting. And uh, Agent Smith insists on discrediting the chosen identity, like I just said. And also I know that I might I also know that the character of of Switch, and I, I want to talk about Apoc and Switch because I just I stand them, I love them both so much. Yeah. I wish that they were in the movie so much more i want to write like apoc and switch fan fiction i know i read something really cool about apoc that is in one of the video games he does something specific i forget what it was i was going to look it up but there's something cool about his character in the video games that wasn't in the movie and i don't know what it is
1: we're going to do an episode about the video games and the supplemental media of the matrix so oh yeah maybe we'll find okay. it then
0: yeah look up apoc in that but um i just love them both and i also love mouse and i also love taken dozer but that's a different story but switch huh. specifically uh, was supposed to be um i think a it was it male outside of the matrix and female in the matrix
1: i believe so yes
0: and yeah so the name was switch and that just kind of i guess didn't work out based on who knows what um or if they well, just ended up taking it out but um
1: funny enough but not funny enough it was a corporate decision they axed that idea cuz the world was not ready for that yet pretty much yeah That would have been really cool. (laughs) Which is, you know, kind of the point of the, the, the metaphor of the matrix.
0: When you're inside the matrix, it's, they say at one point it's your, uh, when he first takes Neo into their matrix, uh, prototype, basically he says Mm -hmm. it's your residual self image, the mental projection of your digital self. So that was, that's really interesting to tie that, the residual self image, you know, how you see yourself is how you are in the matrix. That was really, really interesting and and definitely ties to this, I think.
1: The quote from Morpheus, the scene in the film where Morpheus and Neo first sit down in that like haunted mansion room, basically, you know, and he, Morpheus explains to Neo for the first time what the matrix is. Let
0: me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. you felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is,
1: but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me that's kind of the thesis statement for the movie and, and you know when neo goes to visit the oracle some things i've read says so she kind of stands in for like um like a pre-transitioning therapist or like and she says nobody can tell you you just feel it it's just once it, once you read about it and once you understand all the the correlations and the metaphors in there it's like you can't unsee it Lana wachowski at an awards ceremony um recounted her story mm. About being severely beaten by a Catholic school nun after she failed to join a lineup of boys at school and she nearly committed suicide by jumping in front of a train. Some people think the scene in The Matrix at the end where Neo's being pinned down and about to be killed by Agent Smith as a metaphor for re- reclaiming identity. Yeah. Jumping away from the train that's coming at you. It's a scene where basically Agent Smith is trying to deadname Neo by just, that's why he calls him Mr. Anderson all the time, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Mm. Mr. Anderson. And he's trying to, to move on and become Neo, which everyone else on like the rebel side accepts. Everyone just calls him Neo. No one calls him Thomas Anderson. No one calls, everyone just calls him Neo, Neo, Neo. And so it's just kind of about about creating a, a community that accepts him for who he is. Uh, as, as cornball as that sounds, that's just really what what's true about it. Lily said in the the Netflix interview about the Matrix being a, a, a transgender metaphor. She said, "I'm one of the lucky ones, having the support of my family and the means to afford doctors and therapists has given me the chance to actually survive this process. Transgender mm-hmm. people without support, means, and privilege do not have this luxury, and many do not survive." I'll put the link in the show notes for this to the to the video where the sh- she actually breaks this down, and it's 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 fascinating. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's just kind of like the matrix itself. Once you see it, you can't unsee it and never, you can never really go back. Yeah. So that's um, a little more in-depth look into what makes the matrix tick. Is there anything else you want to add care? Anything else you that you've uh, you want to talk about before we move on to the trials?
0: <laughs> There's one thing that I thought you would find really funny. Um, so yeah, this, this movie, as far as like just in your daily life, like it coming uh, to be and stuff. I used to say to people all the time, someone says like, that they have deja vu i'm like oh they changed something you know i always say that oh, totally. and, um, one of my friends um <laughs> this is my friends corey and aniket one of them says that they both say it but like if something happens that is kind of like trippy and like breaks you out of reality like or is just like makes you question reality you know that kind of thing they say uh that really jostles my pod (laughs) 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 but yeah that really jostles my pod is one of my favorite (laughs) <laughs> it's one of my favorite things
1: that's beautiful it's
0: so good right
1: i think i'm gonna steal that and start saying that myself
0: i think you uh, have to i don't uh, think you have an option
1: that's gonna be a new segment on the podcast it's called you know what really jostles my pod and it's just me ranting about something <laughs> i love it Oh my it. god! I love yeah it. and
0: then i feel like i had something else when i was watching it i i have like googled okay so i have many tattoos and i have one that's i think it was when i got uh one on my arm that's like a an eyeball in a triangle kind of illuminati style with a rose i don't know why it's illuminati style don't ask but anyway <laughs> um when i originally was going to get it i was talking to the artist who i was working for at the time and i i really was trying to talk her into putting like the green code in it and she was just like i'm just not doing that <laughs> So that's still a dream of mine to incorporate that somewhere. But uh, when I was watching it this time to, to prepare for for the pod, I was like, when I saw that white rabbit on the shoulder, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to end up getting that tattoo, huh? Like It's it's, it's just too good. And when I've, I've looked up like matrix tattoos before and people literally have like the plug hole tattooed on the back of their neck. And like, if any of those people are listening, I love you. That's all.
1: You should get that rabbit with matrix code inside of it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I just love that. I've always been so obsessed with, like, the code and then how the code, like, is mirrored in, like, the rain or the when the window washer is washing the window and the dripping water is, like, mirroring the code and, like, the rain, that, that insane, it's so obviously fake rain, but like, I love it when they're in the bridge thing, yes. when they take the thing out of his stomach, that rain is like so insanely fake, but it looks great. And like that rain on the windows looks like the coat. Oh God.
1: We could do like five episodes about the matrix one. Alone. We really could. Yeah. Um, one, one, that's one thing, actually, that's a uh, really great segue. Cause that's what I was, I wanted to talk about was just one last thing is that whole scene like we were talking about the world building. They don't really explain. They don't really feel mm-hmm. the need to super explain what the thing that they put in a stomach does or is or what it's all about. They, they do, but they just kind of like hand wave it. And I love that because it's just yeah. like, we just need to get this thing out of you. They do. They explain it, but like they just don't really spend a bunch of time. But that whole scene where, she, where he opens the door in the back of the car and he mm. wants to leave and she's like, you know what's down that road is a scene that really stuck out to me this time. It's like, it's one of the movies that you can watch and take something new from every single time.
0: Oh yeah. hundred um, percent.
1: You're so absorbed by the, you know, the wire stunts and the bullet time and the crazy right. storyline and all the philosophy and the, the real world versus the, like the machine made matrix and all this other stuff. It's, it's blowing your mind so much that like the slow moments don't really register until you're see it 20 plus years later, you know? It's so true. Um, and so that moment where she's like, you know, what's down that road and the road looks so desolate.
0: It and does. It's
1: so uh, it's so alien and so cold. I really admire all like the, the office drone aspects where the all the offices are super plain looking.
0: Yes. Then, you know the
1: green hue that's on everything. Um just making okay. that that space look dead real quick. I just love that like his hero's journey starts off by Morpheus on the phone. He's like, You have to go on the scaffolding and, and escape, and he's like, Your only other option is being captured, and he's like in any other movie he would escape on the, the scaffolding right outside but he's just like it just jump cuts to him being uh escorted out of the building by police and it's like of course yeah, yeah of course like no one thinks they're that big of a hero to be able to do that and he believes in himself so little that like he just says like ah oh, the cops can take me and i think that's a really cool exactly. that's a really cool subversion of the that trope so, yeah. i remember
0: the other thing i wanted to tell you so oh yeah do it do it, do it go <laughs> so from from back in my like I guess they were LimeWire days that was what I used was LimeWire but I used to download um I used to make mix CDs like crazy for myself and also for anyone I came in contact with but one of the ones uh one of the I used to download movie clips and put them on the mixes all the time which totally. like I love Spotify Spotify changed my life it's the best money I've ever spent but I miss that element so much but the one that I used to put on mixes a lot was uh, The Matrix is Everywhere. It is all around us, even now in this very room, that whole little thing.
1: Oh, I love it. That's amazing.
0: When you go to church, when you pay your taxes, I used to put that on mixes. It's such a good like first track and then jump right into like Lightning Bowl or something. I love it.
1: It's Absolutely. Good. I love I love everything <laughs> about that. Ah, uh, the halcyon days of LimeWire. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. Kara, I've got one question for you yes are you ready to face the trials
0: i think so i actually think i am i wasn't for the boba fett breakdown but i am now i am (laughs)
1: let the trials commence all right The, (laughs) the trials is essentially a collection of categories and awards and just some fun little thought exercises that we can put you through to gain a better understanding of the movie i mean that's what I would like it to be about, but we'll see if we take it there. Let's just have some fun with the Matrix. Yes. The first category is handpicked by Kara herself. It's uh, the the versus category. The premise of versus is uh, essentially you know what we did at our cafeteria tables, talking about comic book characters and, and you know movie heroes and things like that. It's who could win in a fight. You know the subject here is obviously the most powerful person in the movie, which is Neo. I gotta set some ground rules for this one that we didn't have for Boba Fett. Okay. It gets a little dicey and i overthink everything let's for the sake of the exercise say that yes. neo neo is the self-actualized neo of like matrix uh reloaded or matrix revolutions where like he has the powers outside of the matrix but he has Got all it. the po- all the matrix powers he would have in the matrix outside first up round one is neo versus darth vader
0: Ooh, this is tricky because Neo he gets to the point where he knows within the matrix and and without but specifically within he knows that nothing's real so he can basically do anything and that's kind of forcey that's what I was in thinking. a way right it is right so uh, i honestly don't i feel like i feel like neo well darth vader like return of the jedi darth vader when he's old cuz then neo <laughs> But I, if it was I like th- fresh out the fresh out the hospital Darth Vader <laughs> and of fresh Provider off Descent? the table, no.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking the same thing. If it's like Return of the Jedi Vader, but like I think if you take like the comics, like mm-hmm. the, the new like Vader, like he's like Rogue you
0: know, One Vader. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's like he's like crushing giant monsters with the force and things like that. So it's True. tough. Um, I have this as a draw, personally.
0: I think I'm with you. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't know how that would go, especially if Vader has the saber. Like Neo's hand to hand and guns, but sabers sabers are pretty good against blasters, you know. And
1: could a lightsaber deflect real bullets? <laughs> Is that? Whoa!
0: <laughs> Wikipedia.
1: We're asking the tough questions. On this <laughs> yeah, podcast. I
0: agree. I think it's a draw. I do agree.
1: All right. Uh, Round two is Neo versus Scarlet Witch. Wanda Maximoff herself. Wow.
0: Also very good. I'm leaning towards Neo. Again, it is important to specify which Scarlet Witch we're talking about. But, well, Scarlet Witch is the end of WandaVision. She's not really the Scarlet Witch until the end of WandaVision. So that that Scarlet Witch, I mean, they'd be flying. They'd be doing a lot of flying. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) There'd be a lot of flying going on. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I don't know what do you think i'm i'm leaning towards neo especially if he's got the guns but yeah i'm leaning towards neo i don't know though it's it's tricky but i think he could overpower her because i think even though the scarlet witch is like fully realizing her power i think she's still not at her like full peak yet like i think wanda is still kind of weighed down by all of her experiences you know whereas neo is more like fuck it you know (laughs) so i don't know what what do you think do you agree
1: it depends i think Mm -hmm. i think i think if wanda post reading the whole dark hold like at the end of Mm one division like scarlet witch multiverse of madness scarlet witch i think it's scarlet witch with a bullet i think it's like hands down scarlet witch because she would just just recreate neo's reality and just (gasps)
0: Oh, true i didn't even think of that
1: lock him in a pocket dimension and call it a day but as if it's where she stands right now i think it's neo he's he's kind of at the same level but more experienced and, and less uh, over encumbered by his grief. So yeah, I think I think it's Neo. If it was post Darkhold Scarlet Witch, it's uh, it's a wrap. I think you're uh, right. Neo versus Gandalf, round three.
0: Wild. I don't know. I'm leaning Gandalf. I'm leaning towards Gandalf.
1: I'm just saying Gandalf as well because yeah, because it's, it's Gandalf and like right. It's just Gandalf. <laughs> like, you
0: know, I mean, the only thing, and maybe this has like been answered but like he i I still don't understand why he didn't call them the eagles to just fly there in the first place but (laughs) so so part of me is like is he maybe a little negligent but as a whole yeah i mean especially gandalf the white gandalf the gray maybe it's a it's a tougher battle gandalf the white yeah no question
1: Gandalf the white it's over Uh, i I would i would add that neo is also quite negligent because there's a part in matrix reloaded where he's like Flying faster than the speed of light with you know cars and streetlights and uh mailboxes <laughs> flying behind, him, just destroying buildings full of people that still think that they're uh living real life. So
0: that's true, that's I'm sure true.
1: There's got to be some casualties involved in that. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly how the matrix works, but negligence I think I think balances out. They're both equally negligent,
0: <laughs> but and Lord of the Rings nerds, please come for me, please yeah. tell me why he didn't call the eagles i know this has been asked
1: maybe i should have done this one first my voice just cracked maybe maybe i should have done this one first but neo versus superman just seems really lame now
0: i mean i think it's less it's definitely it's definitely neo
1: definitely i don't know about definitely but
0: i i don't know my thought was definitely i just i don't know superman is still just a man
1: he's a superman
0: you're right
1: i don't do this very often but i think about Zack snyder's justice league in the part where the flash is like ripping around evil superman thinking he can capture him that way but everything else is moving in slow motion but uh superman moves just as fast as the flash does just to like lock eyes with him. that's kind of how i think about with like superman versus neo i can see that especially if the especially if he's like charged up by the yellow sun their powers are so comparable in that regard i'm not sure that neo can uh has like ice breath or like shoots lasers out of his eyes but um (laughs) i like in terms of that kind of power and prowess i think it's i think this is a draw personally
0: i think you're right you've changed my mind
1: wow i I didn't know i was (laughs) that i was that convincing about my uh real half-assed superman argument
0: no i think my superman knowledge is just super limited huh so yeah you talked me into it
1: that was versus our next question is what would your matrix name be and what is the first skill you download into yourself this
0: is really good because i would want to have a really cool name but i feel like i'd end up with a name like like floppy disk or something But, (laughs) but i i would want like a cool name though like um
1: like floppy disk. Thank
0: you. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, like, oh, it's kind of like thinking of your drag name. You know, it's like a lot of pressure. A- Epoxy or something, or like. That's cool. Right? Or like, uh, um, I'm trying to think of like a technical term, like terabyte or something. I don't know. <laughs> carabyte oh god there you go nice one um what would your what would yours be please
1: um i was looking up like what what would a hacker term be for like someone that would just go in the matrix and just like fall over and like (laughs) or like like try to do a cool move and like trip on himself so my matrix name would be script kitty because that's that's what that's what hackers call people that are like uh just starting out being a hacker and like are just really bad at it. So I would be be script kitty, which is a really stupid name, but I think it was, I just
0: found, I just, I Googled a a fantasy name generator and it's hacker names and it's just like lists of them. And I'm really liking Paragon.
1: Ooh, Paragon's cool.
0: (laughs) Another one is just (laughs) free.
1: (laughs) That's just my normal name for myself.
0: (laughs) God, I miss the days of the, I miss the days of uh, name generators, right? Anyway, as far as what skill I would I would first download, I think anything hand-to-hand combat, I'm very, I think I would be very driven to doing that first.
1: What about you? What would yours be? The very first thing I would download in myself is like gourmet cuisine. <laughs> that's like, not, I wouldn't necessarily want to be like the best freedom fighter, but like, it'd be like, <laughs> that guy can make a good gumbo. And, and that's, that's helpful, that's helpful. Like yeah. you don't really, I guess you don't really need the eat in the Matrix. Cipher did that steak looks delicious, but like it does. Uh, I guess I wouldn't have that cooking skill like on the ship, but <laughs> in the Matrix, I'd be like, "Can you come try this?" And like that would be my skill is is uh, culinary excellence.
0: I love that. <laughs> I would be. I just would want to be kicking ass. I just want to be Trinity. I just want to be Trinity.
1: <laughs> that's your that's your Matrix name. It's just Trinity oh. two. <laughs> uh. It's Trinity. Like comma T O O. That's your name.
0: I like that. I was thinking Roman numerals too.
1: This one's more straightforward, but yeah. who was the movie MVP?
0: Ooh, for me, I think it would be between Keanu slash Neo or Lawrence Fishburn slash Morpheus. I ah, what do you think?
1: Between those two or in general?
0: In general, who's who's yours?
1: For me, it's between Larry Fishburn and Hugo Weaving.
0: Yeah, no, that's true.
1: No shots at Keanu, but like, no, those guys really brought what well, that's that special sauce to the Matrix. That's they really true. brought what they needed to. And it, like I said earlier, Agent Smith building that, like Hugo Weaving building Agent Smith out of nothing into that yeah. into like a, a classic movie villain. And then you know Morpheus is just Morpheus, like it doesn't get better. It, I think it's I think it's Larry Fishburne.
0: Yeah, I might be with you on that. Is he so? it's such a subtle performance, you know, and like the way he kind of has to be like smug and all knowing the whole time, but is also like capable of showing surprise. And like the whole scene, like right after he's interrogated, when he just like busts out and jumps, like what is better than that in in this life? I don't know.
1: <laughs> really nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to Lawrence Fishburne. You are the Matrix MVP. One final question, for Kara. It's the ultimate Matrix question: Red pill or blue pill? Not red pill in the current context, but in the movie no. context.
0: <laughs> oh, it's hard. I mean, it's harder than you think because I mean, I do kind of understand Cipher when he says ignorance is bliss, but I think I would, I would red, red pill. If, if anything, just because Morpheus is offering it to me, he's so cool. Like I want to keep hanging out with this cool guy.
1: One hundred percent, and that's right. The, that's, that's the deciding factor. Is like. <laughs> I would rather eat like that weird like gruel oatmeal every day and like wear like torn up h and m clothing yeah and just like live in the real moment and you know maybe die by a squid like tearing me limb from limb but like at least I knew it was my life yes uh, what a hopeful note to end on
0: <laughs> we're so
1: in- we're so inspiring
0: we're we're uh we're committed to the moment
1: we're hanging by a moment here with all of you
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Was that a Lifehouse reference?
1: Yeah. You got to end every Matrix episode with a a Lifehouse reference. Wow. Uh, Much like Rage Against Machine ended the Matrix movie, uh, Lifehouse will end this podcast.
0: Such similar bands.
1: Yeah. I mean, on that note, any final notes on the Matrix?
0: It's great. Rewatch it if you haven't watched it in a while. Rewatch it before number four comes out. It's just real good.
1: As always. I mean, thank you so much for doing this, Kara.
0: Thank you.
1: Do you want to plug Into a Larger World real quick?
0: Sure. So uh, my Star Wars fanzine is about to hit its 30th issue. And we are in our like second full year, I guess, going on to three and it's awesome and fun. And if you want to check it out, I'm on Instagram at into a larger world by Kara, K-A-R-A, into a larger world by Kara. I'm not on Twitter and I never will be, but you can hit me up on Instagram and uh, yeah. That's all. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Kara, Kara red-pilled herself right out of Twitter. Um, <laughs> I haven't no, been
0: uh, on it since like 2010. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Follow Kara on, um, on Instagram, follow her into, into a larger world by Kara. She's a, a absolute like beacon of positivity for, for the Star Wars fandom, which needs that right now. Thank um, you. and it's just really, really great to talk to you. Thanks for being my, my online buddy through, uh, the the pandemic thanks for uh watching the last dance with me yeah freaking out about it thanks for (laughs) watching the matrix and talking about it it's been a real pleasure
0: same here
1: i know you're out there i can feel you now i know that you're afraid you're afraid of us you're afraid of change I don't know the future i didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end i came here to tell you how it's going to begin i'm going to end this podcast and then i'm going to show these people you didn't want them to see i'm going to show them a world without you a world without rules and controls without borders or boundaries a world where anything is possible where we go from there is a choice i